You slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get a little more sleep. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that at home in a warm, comfortable place than in our pews while we're preaching on a Sunday morning. You can always catch up with the sermon later right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. Now, we do want to warn you that you're still going to miss out. It's not going to be the same. You're going to miss out on some people who will love on you and challenge you and encourage you along your journey. And you won't get any cookies after church, but we will give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors in the biggest little city in the world, Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts. We're not homiletical harbingers of a new age. We're your average pastors helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast so that if you're away from home or working or maybe catching up on your sleep, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon one of us gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, we just ask that you would keep an open mind and an open heart. And we really believe in that open mind thing and the open heart thing. Do We want you to, to think, to use your mind, to use your experiences, to use your reason, to figure out what it is you believe and how God is working in your life. Through all of that, we hope that you will experience the mysterious loving force we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So Susan, I learned something interesting this week. What did you learn? I learned that Pompeii, uh-huh. which is the thing we all learn about in school, like this little Roman town at the base of Mount Vesuvius that was mm-hmm. caught in a volcano and everybody was kind of frozen doing whatever they were doing in that moment that the uh, volcano erupted, uh, was not a surprise. Well, I can't imagine why it would be a surprise, right? Gasp. I mean, it, it, <laughs> it's you, a mountain that's going to have like... Yeah. Well, I mean, it was always described to us in school as like this thing happened and everybody was immediately caught doing whatever they were doing. And they were frozen that way forever. And you believe it because some people were caught in very compromising positions doing things that probably they wouldn't have been doing if they knew they were going to be like that forever. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Well, hmm. maybe some of them had a dark sense of humor. I mean, I just don't think that you would be using the restroom in that moment. Yeah. Or some other things that people were doing. Anyway, uh, I, I learned this about Mount Vesuvius. And the reason it caught me by surprise was because the scripture from Mark 13 mm-hmm. is this, it's apocalyptic literature, which we've talked about before. It's yes. us sort of talking about um, scary things in terms of fantasy scenarios, basically, <laughs> so that we don't have to actually deal with the things we're scared of. So well, Jesus, and so we can begin to think through them without being overwhelmed. Jesus is sort of talking about the second coming, the end of the world, and he's describing all these horrible things. And then he says, well, think about like the fig tree, right? When you right. when you see the fig tree start to bloom, you know the fruit's right around the corner. That's a warning sign that the fruit is coming. So right. pay attention to the warning signs. And so uh, when I was a little kid, because of these scriptures, I always assumed that the second coming was going to be like Pompeii, like it was going to be oh, this I see. flash yeah, yeah, yeah. that was going to catch me doing whatever I was doing in that moment. And well, it was had the potential to be very embarrassing. Well, and, and isn't that sort of what popular culture has told us? Right? Oh, yeah. No, it's, right? gonna, like, it's coming it's, for you. It's coming for you. And it's all that's going to be left are your clothes. Yeah. You're just going to, it's just going to be, you're just going to be gone. And so, uh, and God's going to see you going to the restroom right. or whatever, right? Here's what I learned about Mount Vesuvius. Okay. 15 years mm-hmm. before the volcano erupted in 79 AD, okay. there was a giant earthquake yep. that flattened parts of the town. 
Yep. Now, this was in Reno. I know y'all will understand. A little resort town at the base of the mountain where rich people would go on vacation. Right. They all had vacation homes there. Fifteen years before, uh, there was this earthquake flattened parts of the town. And everybody already knew at that time, earthquakes are signs that the volcano will erupt. Right. And so 15 years before the volcano erupted, people stopped going on vacation to Pompeii. (laughs) All of these resort homes, these vacation homes that these wealthy elites had Mm -hmm. in this town had been abandoned. Okay. Were already falling into disrepair. Uh, A day before the volcano erupted, there was another earthquake. There had been earthquakes for the last 15 years. People knew it was coming. Right. Thousands and thousands of people evacuated. But there were still about a thousand people left behind. And so the question then was, well, why are they still there? So they were killed by a blast of superheated gas from the eruption and then preserved by a thick layer of ash that yeah. followed that was raining down from the sky. And uh, the people who had not gone the day before when the volcano started to erupt were people who were either too poor to leave. Mm-hmm. They had nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Or they were servants or slaves who did not have permission to leave. Right. Or in one case, the mayor who was going down with the ship. Okay. Right. So the people who were left behind, the people who were caught in this natural event and for whom it became a disaster were the people who had no resources, no connection to community outside of this social economic stratus that they found themselves in. And I just kind of went, you know, y'all. Whenever there's a natural event that we call a disaster, it's not like we didn't know it was coming. <laughs> we know hurricanes happen every year. We know earthquakes happen. We know earthquakes. Nobody in San Francisco is ever surprised by an earthquake. Nope. Nobody in Tornado Alley is ever surprised by a tornado. Nope. Uh, nobody on the coast is ever surprised by a tsunami. We know that these things happen. And so when they result in mass destruction and loss of human life, it's because... We know the levees are broken and we're not willing to fix them Mm -hmm. because the people who are going to be affected are not important enough people to save. Amen. And so I said, you know, there's all these warning signs all around us all the time. And people don't die because they don't know. They die because other people don't care. Mm. And that is damning. Yeah. That is damning. So when Jesus says, you see all these warning signs, and if you want everybody to be saved, you need to be paying attention to these. What mm-hmm. Jesus is inviting us to do, I think, today is to pay attention to those, those warning signs that we see in the world around us so that we can try and make a world where everybody is saved. Not from some imaginary hell in the afterlife, nope. but right here and right now, everybody has the resources to be safe, to have what they need to survive, uh, and to do to do what they need to do. Right. So I shared this about Pompeii and it got real quiet, real quiet in the church. And then I said, you know, our Bishop spent the weekend down in San Diego Mm. with the migrant caravan. Uh, She spent the weekend getting arrested, wading into the ocean, facing down the border patrol as a way of drawing attention to the plight of the migrant caravan and raising awareness so that we might have compassion so that we can't say, well, we didn't know. We didn't know it was happening. If we don't do something, it's because we didn't care. Yeah. There are all of these warning signs in our culture right now about our environment, about the people who are left out in the cold. And if we are willing to be moved by them, mm-hmm. they're invitations for us to create a world right. in which everybody is saved. 
So this scripture is a little scary, but really it's Jesus saying, you know, it's a mirror, y'all, to take a good look at yourselves, not because I want you to judge yourselves, but because who are we not saving? Well, and, and, and if you don't look, you can't see it, right? Like if you, if you remain in your bubble, you won't be able to notice. So I was praising the writers group this week because they, about a couple years ago, they did a reflection called When I Die. Mm -hmm. And they've, they've written their eulogies. They've written, you know, all these things, but When I Die. And some of them were really funny. Some of them were like, you know, when I die, make sure you throw away that three week old zucchini that's in the back of the drawer in the refrigerator. (laughs) That I haven't (laughs) gotten around to yet. So nobody knows that I had rotting fruit in the refrigerator, (laughs) rotting, rotting vegetables. And some of them were much more serious. And I spent last Monday night in the tent. Right. Uh, the overflow homeless shelter here in town is a heated tent in a parking lot behind the actual shelter. It's the third it's actually, overflow. Yeah. It's the third layer. Yeah. And um, so we spent all night and it's four volunteers who sit up all night so that other people might find a place to rest for a little while. Mm-hmm. 50 people fit into the tent this year. It was, you know, it was a long night. And so I wrote my when I die mm. and I said, okay, natural conclusions. If I think that the purpose of this life is to seek justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly. What will my funeral look like? Right. If that's how I have spent my life, right. what would my what would my Pompeii look like? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. in this moment. Um, what what's the effect of my life on the world? Is it a more just place? Is it a more connected place or is it a more isolated place? When I think about loving mercy, loving kindness, is it a place where the people that I was close to feel dependent on me mm. when I'm gone and are at, a, at loose ends? Or do they feel empowered yeah. uh, because they knew me and they're able to live lives, right. you know, sad that the people they love are exactly. gone, but not crippled by it, right. not um, unable to move forward in their lives. Right. And, right. and that's something that I, I have an effect on, right. right? So if my life is about seeking justice, loving kindness, if my life is about walking humbly with God, when people look at my life, what image of God are they going to see? If we right. believe that everybody is made in the image of God, what Im- are they going to see a God who's judgmental, who's prissy, who's bougie? Are they going to see a God <laughs> who is engaging, yeah. who can be with them even in dark moments? What image of God are people going to see? And so I kind of said, you know, these moments of apocalypse are not us going, Jesus is coming, quick, look busy. Right. We don't have a God of busy work. No, we have we a God who says... Okay, a snapshot of your life right now. Are you being who you're called to be? Are you being who you want to be? Or are there some things that need to change? If we truly help connect the world, our funerals are going to be awkward. Because <laughs> there's going to be people there who don't have social grace. Right. There's going to be people there who might not know all the right times to sit up, sit down and stand up and sing right. songs off key. Um, there will be children laughing at the preachers who talk too long. <laughs> Mm-hmm. There will be all of these moments where we can sort of get a glimpse of who we are together. Are they going to connect people? Or are they going to separate people? Apocalyptic literature is about the uncertainty of what will come. But mm-hmm. if we're living our lives the way we want to live our lives, then hopefully we don't end up quaking in fear. We can just work in confidence. Yeah. We can say, yeah, if the snapshot happened right now, I'm good. I'm good. In our... Um... Memorial service liturgy, there's a line that says that we might go forward to live as people who, who face death, basically. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's more poetic than that. But part of what apocalyptic literature allows us to do is, is as you say, you look in the mirror, but also to look in the... In the some, grave. In the grave. Stand next to our open grave and say, say, here's what it means, guys. Here's what it means. And yeah. 
You know, I think we've mentioned on the podcast that my mother died recently. Mm. And it's been fascinating to me to talk with my parishioners yeah. about what death means. Yeah. Right. And there's a lot of like, oh, well, you know, it's like such sorrow poured out. And I appreciate that because they, they feel for me and all those things. But it lays bare for me our theology around living no matter what. Yeah. And when I say to people, it was time. Yeah. Like there's no doubt in my mind that it was time, people go, whoa, you know, like, cause like we don't have that language. To be able to say we're okay with death. We're okay with death. And I think one of the things apocalyptic literature was designed for is to tell us we're okay in the midst of whatever comes. Yeah. Whatever comes, we need to be okay. Right. And okay means (laughs) Mm -hmm. we're satisfied with what we have done. Yeah, even if we're sad. Even if we're sad. Even if we're mourning, even if we're grieving, even and we if can, we're and uncertain. We can, and we can come to it with all those feelings. Yeah. But that we come to it knowing that, like I said in my sermon in the last podcast, mm-hmm. um, you know, life is not the end all be all. Right. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about the questions in my podcast episode where we were talking about like joy and apprehension. It all goes together. Oh, yeah. It all goes together. Yeah. So I talked about the character of God. Mm-hmm. Like God is not a gotcha God. God is not, God yeah. doesn't want to catch you in the restroom. You know what I mean? Like, right, 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 um, right. God is not a gotcha. We don't have a God of Sisyphus who gives us busy work mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. tortures us. Mm-hmm. We have a God who does forgiveness and who does grace and who does mercy yeah. and who does peace and who does justice. And as we are becoming the people of that God, we are becoming people of forgiveness and grace and mercy and peace and justice and compassion. And it, it, we, we need to keep doing that work, but we need to not do it because we're afraid of what will happen if we don't. Yeah. We need to do that work because we live in the confidence of this is how we build the world of God. Yeah. This is how we build a world where everybody is saved um, in this life and not based on some fear about some future life. Yeah. Uh, we just live here and now. And so the, the people of Pompeii had some words for me this week, which was, there are warning signs. You know? Yeah. You know, there's warning signs all around us. So what are right. we doing to address the needs we have now? So that's yeah. the question for everybody this week. What are you doing? Yeah. You know, are you working with confidence? Are you waiting in fear? As we wait in Advent for Christ to be born, we're anticipating the second coming of Christ. Some people see it as that sort of left behind event. Jesus says, nobody knows the day or the hour. It's going to sneak up on you. And God right. has a tendency to work in, in very sneaky strange ways. ways. Yeah. I mean, I think God works in whispers and baby cries more than anything else in the Bible. Yeah. And so maybe the second coming already happened and we missed it. Maybe, or maybe it's still coming and we're going to miss it anyway. <laughs> yeah, like maybe maybe the second coming was Jesus sending us the Holy Spirit and saying this conviction will be with you right. in every moment as sort of your voice, your conscience, your Jiminy Cricket, right? right? Who's helping you to see in every moment that the, oh, yeah. the judgment on the world around us, not because we want to be judgy, but because we can kind of say, okay, here's how we keep building. Yep. Here's how we keep working with confidence. So um, just kind of giving people permission not to worry about that kind of nonsense and just keep working with confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Very good, Chris. Thank you. And I, I want to say one more thing before we go to the next part, which is just that I really admire, like when I'm going through something, I tend to wall my congregation off from it mm-hmm. because I don't want them to have to take care of me. Right. But what I do when I do that is I'm not vulnerable with them about here's how you do this with grace. Right. And you are so open about everything that's been happening with your mom and all of that stuff that that kind of vulnerability takes so much courage 
Well, thank and you, And I am grateful for pastors like you who show me how I need to work better with confidence. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, and some of it's not an intentional choice, right? Right. Like, sometimes there's just things you cannot, you know, this this has been such a big part of my life for the mm-hmm. last five two years. years. Yeah, at I least mean, two years. I mean, directly part of my life, yeah. right? Because it was this time of the year that my dad was in the hospital. And, right. Um, and so, you know, there's... The reality that I can't do, you know, I can't do this job if I'm, if I'm balled off because there's yeah. pieces of it that are so big mm-hmm. that they're going to intersect. They have to intersect. Right. It's just what it is. Um, well, you do it well. Well, thank you. I try. I try. Well, thank you for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to the topic we've been discussing, you can email us at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at Sunday Morning Sleep In or uh, our website, which is sundaymorningsleepin.com. The scripture for this podcast is Mark 13, 24 to 37. And the theme music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. It's traditional at the end of a worship service for the priest to deliver a blessing to the congregation. Some wise words that make everybody just a little bit holier. But here's the deal. I don't have any magic words. I just have this life that I'm living and the life that you're living. And as we live them together, we learn from each other. Uh, we live deeper into who we're called to be, I hope. And so my, my wish for you, my hope for you is just that Um, whatever's going on in your life, whatever's going on in the lives of the people around you, that you can be open enough to hear those little signs that there might be something you can do to show compassion, to show mercy, uh, to work for justice, that you would be open to those things. Because that's really what draws us together as a community. It's our own choice to live into God's unconditional love. Uh, It's a big ask. (laughs) So what I tell my congregation at the end of every service is, May you go out and love every person you meet, even the ones you might not think deserve it, because God thinks they do.